Hello, and welcome to Everything Remade, a podcast that I hope is about growth as much as it is about music. I'm Sean Decker, and I'd like you to hear something. You're hearing Twin Tombs by Youth, featuring my friend Adam Croft on drums. Adam's meticulous timing and attention to detail behind the drum set are only eclipsed by his warmth and kindness as a person. Let's hear more from Adam. So I was born in Lubbock, Texas. And we were, we only lived there until I was four or five. I think it would have been right after I turned five that we moved to Oklahoma. Um, and then we were only in Oklahoma for like four years after that before we moved to Wyoming because my mom and my dad got divorced and my mom remarried. So most of like what you associate with growing up, like the years that I think are most closely associated with growing up for me, which was like age nine on, happened in a really small town in Wyoming called Sundance, which has 1,100 people. Um, and so our family was, was a little disjointed just, you know, being the, the child of divorce. My, my dad was an alcoholic who just kind of went through a lot of stuff with addiction and sobriety and intense sobriety. And so he wasn't in the mix a whole lot after I turned 9 and 10. Like, we would see in the holidays, but that was really about it. Um, and thankfully, you know, as an adult, he's... he's sober now like seven or eight years so most of our relationship has kind of happened with with me as an adult um so a lot of a lot of growing up was just my mom really and, and my stepdad um a bit too but but for the most part it was me my mom and, and my younger sister who's four years younger than me um and yeah it was it was rough at times but i think we were really lucky because i think you know even with like addiction and um you know, problems in the home. There, there were always folks that cared about us and made sure things were ultimately okay. Um, but yeah, that was that was kind of my childhood in, in a nutshell. And like growing up in a, in a really small town, I think um, is weird on a lot of levels, but also really cool in a lot of ways because like as a kid, you spend some time just like you know riding around on your bike, um, messing around in the woods, playing with fire, stuff like that. <laughs> so um, a lot of my childhood was that it was. You can knock in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Did, did you, what a, like, it, were there, like, specific, um, I mean, you said, like, riding your bikes, but, I mean, was this, like, Sandlot Baseball League kind of stuff, or just generally just, like, you know, screwing around? Like, I, I grew up in Dayton, Ohio, but we used to do a lot of just, you know, like, shit you wouldn't expect like we'd fuck around in creeks and stuff you know all this like oh totally yeah 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 we had stuff like that there was, there was a like a man-made lake 40 miles away from us so as soon as i knew someone with a driver's license we did a lot of cliff jumping at night at this man-made lake which is super dangerous and not something i would do as an adult oh, so yeah. we did a ton of stuff like that and uh like looking back, that was irresponsible. And then the thing that like I'm 
the most sort of embarrassed about, but that was super common was um, in high school, like, and, and even, you know, like, as kids in the middle of nowhere start drinking super young, but, like, no one could get you beer. So, like, kids would break into people's garages and steal beer out of the fridges in people's garages. And in the town I grew up in, that was just kind of, like, a norm. Yeah. So no one got got mad at kids, like, stealing beer from the garage. They were just like, oh, that's kids being kids. Even though it was, like, you know, super irresponsible and dangerous and kids were driving and drinking and it, it was it was not good, but that was just kind of the culture. So there was stuff yeah. like that. There was a lot of, like, like, we would go, we had a public golf course and we would just go and, like, hit golf balls in the middle of the night sometimes. Stuff yeah. like that was, was super common. And a lot of it was fun, but, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I have such a conflicted relationship with growing up in a small town because there's so much like just general weird toxic tribalism that comes with it too that you don't really see that you get out or I guess you don't have full perspective on. Yeah. But um yeah, the the goofing off is, is for sure the the best part of it. Yeah. Well I mean like in 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 reference to, you know, like the the stealing the beers out of the uh garage or whatever, I I bet a lot of it is like people just like I'm glad they didn't steal like my three thousand dollars worth of tools or whatever you know like oh totally yeah totally and, well and, and there's also just like a sorry to cut you off I, I think there's just like a i i know who the kids are like yeah. i know everyone in the town yeah and you know i know their parents and like i know they're just taking beers and yeah. like that that whole thing is really weird because like that actually that, that same thing that keeps them from being like violent and horrible to young kids breaking into their home, which I messed up, but for the most part was harmless. It's also yeah. the same thing that like kind of makes them hate outsiders. But um, yeah, no, totally. That was that was definitely the thing. Was like, well, I can, I, you know, that kid works for my gas station or whatever, and I can trust them not to not to steal nitrogen from me just to be in the fridge. Yeah, yeah, just dumb, dumb kid stuff. Yeah, I totally. I I lived in it. You know, I. Hmm. It's it's complicated. Like I was born in Dayton, Ohio. I lived there until I was like I'm twelve or thirteen or something, and then I moved down south. And it was like, yeah, it was a pretty small town at the time too. And kids would do all kinds of shit. And you know, like you said, like you'd know people were out and and uh, drinking and driving when they shouldn't be and stuff. And you know, w- w- I'd work at like uh, a gas station later, and cops would say stuff like, you know. Well, it's like there's no one else out here. Like if these if these idiots are gonna hurt themselves, they just hurt themselves. Like which is like when you think about that, like in that context, you're just like, That's so fucked up, like that you would say that. Oh but, yeah. But like, you know, I don't know. There's a lot of justifications, you know, um, for like and I mean, obviously it is good that they were not gonna just like you know, because the streets were dead and no, they wouldn't hurt anybody else. But you know what I'm saying? Um, yes. But, yeah, it's still dangerous. It's still, it's still kids putting themselves in in the crazy amount of harm. You know, yeah, and no yeah, yeah. no real idea of how much harm they're putting themselves in, yeah. and no one really cares that much about. Like, it, it always felt like the, the people in my town cared a lot more about me, like having a really traditional like high school experience and having fun, than they cared about like my safety and long-term well-being. Yeah. Um, cause that's just kind of small town culture. Like they, they want you to get 
fuck up for homecoming and, and do all that stuff, but they're not, not really worried about, like, you know, what you're doing with your life or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's why, like, I went from, you know, a, I went from, like, a high school that was, like, one way to just about as opposite as it could be. And I mean, um, I didn't grow up, grow up in that small town, but I definitely had a lot of, you know, the, the, these similar kinds of experiences, you know, that you're, that you're talking mm-hmm. about. And it's like, yeah. Um, but, um, you know, other than, other than, um, narrowly, uh, dodging like lots of trouble and stuff, uh, what, what, were you interested in like, were you interested in music from like a very young age or were you interested in like different things like sports or? Yeah, I think, well, I was really interested in sports like most of my childhood. Mm-hmm. And I, I just had this like really distinct moment of when the switch flipped because I was like, like 11 years old, I want to say, or 12 years old. And my mom was dropping me off at the airport to fly on the company to see my dad. And she bought me a Rolling Stone magazine. And in the magazine, there was like a one page interview with baby Havoc. And I think this was like probably the year December underground came out. So 2006. And I just remember like opening that interview and being like, just so shaken up by like one, the way baby Havoc looks just like tons of makeup, painted nails, like, just ridiculous hair that was like, you know, like a glam rock star. And then just like hearing, you know, like reading about like, a like veganism and straight edge and like growing up a hardcore kid. And like, I didn't even know what hardcore was or any of that was. And so I just remember being like intrigued more than anything and buying, uh, sing the sorrow and like, what else was that? Probably like fallout boy or something like that like the same year. And just from then on, it was music. It was music was the only thing I cared about. And I was just like trying to spend as much time on like the family desktop computer, (laughs) trying to like, you know, find bands, MySpace pages or like click through the records that are associated with other records. I I used to go on that site interpunk all the time. Oh yeah. So like, yeah. And which I guess the owner of interpunk is like a, a, Trump supporter now or some oh, awful shit like that. But uh, I used to like, I used to like nail them cash as a kid for CDs and just click through like, Oh, I like AFI. Well, then I will also like these five things and just do that for hours. Yeah. Um, and so that was sort of like how I found it in the middle of nowhere. Um, but that was, that was when after that, that was all I cared about. And there weren't very many shows in the area. Um, Rapid City, South Dakota, which was like an hour away, would have hardcore shows like once a month, once every two months. And then Gillette, Wyoming, which was an hour the other way, would have hardcore shows sometimes in a Knights of Columbus Hall. And so I think the first DIY show I ever went to was The Chariot in the Knights of Columbus Hall in Gillette when I was like 14. And ever, once that happened, like I was just never going to miss a show close by. And I would beg people to drive me. I would try to find friends going one way that would take me the other way or whatever to try to go. So that's when the obsession with music started. But for a long time, I think I just, I, I just didn't really think I, like I didn't like my parents' music and I hadn't really been exposed to much else yeah. like a lot of people. And so it took, took like hearing the right thing. And I also did, like, I think a lot of people have, you know, like an older sibling that will show them something or sure. like a cool cousin. And like music was not a part of my family at all. 
Oh yeah. Do so it was yeah, it was just not something I had had been all that acquainted with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you you said um yeah a couple of things while you were talking. Like it's pretty wild. Like so a super long time ago i don't even know how long i had sent uh, some copies of some old band seven inches to that interpunk right and then just Uh out of the blue like i don't know four or five years ago i just got a check in the mail from oh my that's (laughs) crazy i was just like i i totally forgot that site even existed and i just get this check it wasn't huge you know what i mean it was like 55 bucks or something but i was like fucking sweet oh i forgot all That's about sick. this you know or whatever but um yeah it's it's it sucks that you know that person ended up being like whatever um i'm obviously like uh just chatting with someone else about like some of these older like you know people from punks the punk circles and stuff like loving you know current administration like dave smalley and all that shit it's pretty pretty uh yeah, uh, it's pretty depressing, but um, yeah, the it is the other thing is like those those halls, those Knights of Columbus, and those various halls. Like that's where like all the sh- like sweet shows used to happen. I don't know who put all these like two and twos together, but it was like everywhere. It was like that everywhere for a while. Like yeah, you know, in Indi- um, in uh, Indiana they were having them. You know a like an hour and a half or whatever north of here, like, and that's where we saw like Alexis on fire when there was like 15, 20 people there. That's amazing. Just like, you know, maybe about like around in that uh, uh, same time, you know, since you, you mentioned Fallout Boy and stuff. Um, but totally. uh, yeah, it's, um, it's, you know, I, you know, I keep wondering like, um, what things are going to look like, you know, on the other end of, of this pandemic, you know, and how, how, uh, what that's going to look like trying to start putting shows together again, you know, if it's going to have to go all the way back, like, is how shows still going to be a thing? Or, I mean, it seems like, well, how could that just not be a thing? But, you know, at the same time, it's like, I don't, I don't know. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I I've been thinking about that too. Sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, I I was gonna say I, I think you know I I keep thinking about like how like it seems to me like the punk house is like a a one or a two year institution. You know, like you mm-hmm. sign a lease or two, and then the people get burnt out and like you you move out and you know you sort of reset with a new spot in town and like that's that's kind of been the the progression in the places that I've both shows. Mm-hmm. And this it, it totally messes up like the life cycle of a punk house to just have everything stop like this. Mm-hmm. And also, it's just I mean, for COVID prevention, it's it's the worst spot, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, unless there's a vaccine, you can't have a house show. But I really, I mean, I, I'm with you. It's just it's going to take like the this weird lost generation that didn't get to discover house shows like the last six months and get excited enough to move into a punk house. Like, I don't know what that effect is, but I think you're right. Like, I think there might just be a gap where that kind of stuff isn't happening because it wasn't happening. Yeah. Yeah. The only, only time will tell. But, um, so you were like, just going to every, like, was it, do you think it was like, now, I don't know if this was like the only kind of show that you were seeing. So like, maybe you, maybe at that point, at least you, 
like this was just the norm for you. But like, do you think it was like when you're going to these shows and you're like you're standing like three feet away from the band? Do you think that was like just the hook that just you know sealed the deal for you? Like, had you been to any other, oh yeah like, bigger shows where it was like the whole TV rock star thing, or was it just like that was your first stuff? Yeah, I mean, I had been, I had been to like a Warped tour or so. I, yeah, I think I would have been to one Warped tour by that point. Okay, but I, I knew that I loved, like, I loved Norma Jean and the Chariot, and then my friend was like, "Oh, they're playing this night at Columbus Hall in Gillette. I'll take you." And so I went to that show, and I remember just being like, "Wow, this band that I like is like on the floor." And they're being super kind to me and going out of their way to like talk to people that are here. And like the opening band are just like kids from Wyoming. This is amazing. Like this is, and it was for sure what hooked me. Like not feeling like there was some barrier to entry and like I could just play music and do that too was amazing. And I remember like that kind of never, like there were parts of it that felt a little inaccessible because honestly, a lot of what was like, getting booked around that time was like big metalcore packages or like hardcore metalcore packages that were like, you know, like $15 shows out of a Knights of Columbus. And like people were just like beating the crap out of each other. And like that kind of stuff never really appealed to me all that much. Um, but I saw another show the day I got my driver's license, which was, it was Converge at the same Knights of Columbus hall on a day off from like the Axe to Fall tour oh, with wow. like Mastodon and stuff. And so they're like late in their career, but I knew enough to knew, know like, like, oh, I, like I had heard Jane Doe at that point and I was just like blown away by that band. And I just remember the vibe at that show being completely different than like the sort of like more aggressive, like deathcore shows that had happened in the area. Mm-hmm. And I just remember thinking like, Oh, I like more of this. Like I want more of this. Like I want more people who are just kind of here cause they're excited. And there's like a sense of camaraderie and community and these people like know each other and are kind. And, um, so like I was definitely hooked by the community and the ethos for sure. And it kind of allowed me to differentiate from the shows that were like what I was about early on and the ones that weren't, because I think, and you know, I hate to speak for like, the whole genre, but like the deathcore type stuff that was sort of happening, like the the Whitechapel lane of music that was super popular in in rural America, um, where they would have these massive tour packages come through. Like I would go to those shows just because I cared about live music, and then I would just be like, "This isn't fun. Like no one is nice. People are just here to like hit each other." Yeah. And so, yeah, I think that's that was that was the appeal for sure. It was was just a really cool community and the idea that like I could make something and like share it with those people. Yeah. It's kind of wild. Like, you know, I never like, I never, when I was, you know, when I was a teenager and, and like, we would go to like, we'd go to like a bigger show or something, you know, we'd see like bad religion, you know, or something in Mm -hmm. St. Petersburg and there'd be like pits, you know? And it was like, it was just people just like pushing each other around and stuff. Like I never, right? What, I never imagined that like you, you know what, like what you see online. And it's like, I mean, if everybody at the show is there for that, then you know, do you? But like, um, like I didn't, I didn't 
get into punk music, to, like I was already having people hit me all the time, you know, and I didn't get into <laughs> punk music to totally. like, continue that trend, you know, like it was like that was this is like came here to get away from not to have people bigger than me trying to hit me some more this i've had enough of that but um exactly yeah it's it's really wild Already, like trying to play an instrument at this point, like what you said, you know, when you got your driver's license, so you'd been going to shows for a little bit already. Yeah, yeah, I had been. So my my friend Mo had been driving me to shows, and I would just like beg them to take me places. And what's really cool is like my friend Mo lives in, in Minneapolis now, and, and books my bands anytime they come through. So it's sort of been this like amazing lifelong friendship from like both growing up and being the only people that liked punk music in this really small town. Um, but so that was, I, I always like would have to hustle a ride a little bit from a friend or something. And then as soon as I got my driver's license, I was going to shows, but playing music was really hard because like there, there just weren't enough people in my town that liked the same thing to start a band. And I couldn't really justify driving an hour either way to, to start a band at that point in my life. And so I was just kind of like, okay, I'll, I'll try to learn an instrument. And I try, I took like guitar lessons and played guitar a lot. And I played like drums in the marching band and in jazz band at my school. And I was just like, as soon as I get out of this town, like priority number one is start a band. And right around the time I was finishing high school, um, James, the vocalist of youth moved to Sundance where I was growing up to like, uh, apprentice in his grandpa's dental lab. And we just became friends right away, even though James was a few years older than me and like a graduate high school and stuff. And, uh, just, we were just like, okay, like we've got to start a band. We've got to start a band. And that was the plan from the moment I got out of school. It was just like, let's just figure out how to, how to start a band because I, I just couldn't, I didn't, didn't know enough people and, um, the other thing is like, I think it's one thing that's tough about being in a small town is like, even if I could find the people to play in a band and I probably could have, if I had tried really hard, it's just not like an easy environment to be super vulnerable in. Like, it's not an easy place to be like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to have this band that is going to play the VFW hall here and like, or even like the talent show or whatever, just because no one else really likes the music I listen to. I got made fun of for it a lot. Like I wasn't exactly looking to put myself out there like that but i knew there were greener pastures i guess yeah. so that was always kind of the goal yeah it was kind of weird like in our case like we did have some kids that 
played instruments and we did have some kids that were into like some different stuff you know it wasn't all necessarily like, mm-hmm. the same kind of stuff but it was all like you know some kids like primus or red hot chili peppers it's all like right kind of cool stuff and so we were able to like have bands and like lots of people didn't like um lots of people didn't like the stuff that we were doing necessarily but it was like that small town thing where there wasn't shit else going on so they would exactly support it so it was like it you know it was just like a a different scenario for whatever reason you know than than what you're describing which i think is probably you know, pretty typical where it's just like, we don't like that and we're not going to listen to it, you know? Um, and our totally. case, it was just like That's cool. people who didn't like, I don't know. <clears throat> there was like, I did play in a band with like a kid that was like kind of popular cause, cause he was like real funny and stuff, you know? So that probably mm. had a lot to do with it too. But like, um, yeah, he's just like some, some little punk weirdo kid, you know, just like the rest of us. But you know, he was funny. So, um, anyway, right. you know, yeah, it's just a different, like, to, you know, the other side of the coin, I guess, maybe. Um, yeah. Um, well, you still have to, you still have to align yourself with anyone that likes guitar music at all. I think a little bit too, like you're talking about like the Primus Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah. 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 Kids like we, we, I remember there was like, a, there were a couple kids in my school who just like had Jimi Hendrix shirts and we would just like jam sometimes just because there was no one else to play music with and I didn't want to like I didn't want to play like psychedelic classic rock or whatever but I did want to like play drums and so you know you just just kind of make it work and honestly like I think those are cool musical moments too because like you don't really know like you're just doing it because you want to play music and like you're not worried about being cool or anything like that you're just worried about like having fun and making something with someone. So there are lots of like cool, positive moments that I have from that, Mm -hmm. that upbringing, um, for sure too. And, and I, I just think like, and maybe even if it had been like a town of like 500 more, I could have done some kind of band, but I definitely needed to, to get out. But yeah, like you, you don't, you don't get to be picky at all. Like if someone, if someone likes Black Sabbath, they're your friend. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. I mean, like one of my first, (laughs) one of my first recordings, you know, like, it's like these are like basically like it's like you know like 16 year old impressions of uh bad religions no control album but there was a kid literally literally playing slap bass over it (laughs) it's like you (laughs) said you you can't be picky it's like you like primus we get it you know and you are determined to play slap bass over this like you know uh um riff that sounds like it's from the song suffer you know or something but uh yeah uh <laughs> so you, That's sick. yeah you get you know you, you you made the most of it and you know you came out the other side with you, you know you had some good times and you had some experiences but uh yeah so, so you like you know you met james and then you then you're like okay we're gonna start this um so did did was youth your first band no, so we, James and I, when I got to Laramie for college, which is like the only college town in Wyoming, James moved there also, and we were sort of like, okay, we've got to find other people to play music with, and I had met my friend Cole Jameson, who now plays in a band called Low Faith, and was in like a hardcore band called Stella for a while, um, because I was wearing an American Nightmare shirt, 
in the dining hall of the dorms at college. And we became friends and we just like made a plan to hang out that summer. And James moved there that same summer. And so we just like tried to start a hardcore band and we started this sort of like, I think it started out like kind of a almost melodic hardcore band. It was called Caged Bird Songs and it was not very good. And then we sort of got more and more chaotic as like we were all just getting into more interesting music. Like we were getting into just, you know, metal and like, you know, more interesting metalcore and like screamo and, and stuff like that. And we were just like, Oh, like, you know, we don't, we don't want to sound like that anymore. And also we had just met Nate, the guitar player of youth, um, who joined our hardcore band, but who was like a shredder, like a way better guitar player than me. And we were just like, Oh, we have to start a band where Nate writes riffs. Like Nate writes these really crazy riffs. Um, so let's just like, can this hardcore band we've done because it's not very good and it was our first band and let's do youth and that was how youth started was just like finding people in in laramie wyoming that were friends or that were like kind of into like starting to book shows or or play shows and then um really just like wanting to spotlight how sick nate is a guitar <laughs> like that was that was the main impetus. And I had never played drums in a band before you. I like had kind of played drums in marching band and jazz band. So I knew how to hold a drumstick, but I, it was totally new for me. And we had like, I think the first week we started trying to do youth, I was just like, Oh, this isn't going to work. Like all of these parts are blasty. And I have never, like, I, this is going to take forever. And it, yeah, it just sucks for a long time. And we just sat in the basement of the, of the house we lived at together and we just practice every single day. And then we would go upstairs and listen to records that we thought were cool and then go back downstairs and practice some more. And that was like kind of just how you started in the middle of nowhere. And at that point, like a scene was up and running. There was a house doing shows and like our friends were booking shows. And there's, there was a hardcore band called Reproacher from Wyoming that was around for a long time. And they were sort of like the older band and they were always down to like put us on shows and like show us how to book shows and like, um, Cole, my friend Cole had already had some experience booking shows. So it just kind of got, got going. And then there was a small scene of like two or three local bands and like 20 ish people that were down to go to every show. And that's really all you need to, to do it consistently. And so we kind of had a, a scene and, and then it helped like Denver close by is nice because, you know, there were like, I, I, I still remember when we decided that uh, Page Bird songs needed to become youth. And it's actually because we played a show with seizures from Southern California and Iwakura and now Untold Want. And watching them, watching Untold Want at the end of the show, I was just like, oh my God, that band's like, they're, they're doing just this amazing chaotic thing. Like I had kind of heard like Combat Wounded Veteran and stuff. So I sort of knew where to place it. And I was like, we need to do something more chaotic. I hate playing these shows with such a boring band. And we got back and started youth. So, like, exposure to what was happening in Denver helped a lot. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel like um, the fact that you were diving, like, headfirst into a band, like, not knowing how to play necessarily, like, a whole kit was, like, instrumental in, in how, like, do you feel like the pressure to get better fast was, like, instrumental in your development? Yes. Because two two things sort of happened. One was just like, well, I, I I'm generally just like of the belief that playing music with another person automatically makes it easier to get better. Oh, yeah. Just because like some someone's keeping you in time, like you know, you get a better idea for how things sound, and like 
So just playing drums with another person to another person's riffs was really helpful. But also, my goal as soon as I started playing drums in youth was I was just like, there's not a lot of drummers in the area. If anyone asks me to play drums for their band, I'm just going to say yes because it'll mean <laughs> one more one more practice a week where I have to play drums and someone's going to like hold me accountable to get better. Yeah, and yeah. even if it's out of the genre, even if it's out of the genre, like I'll learn something. And so before I knew it, I was like overwhelmed. I was in like four bands, but like um, Ian from Uncle Blanc asked me to to do product list our punk band that we still do, and like that was super instrumental because just having like three or four nights a week where I knew I was playing drums meant that like I just had to figure it out um, or or it would all all these projects would suffer and all these people would be disappointed yeah yeah it's funny like you know um, you, you, you said like before you knew it you know you're playing like in four bands it's like that totally totally like every scene has that one drummer you know like john krogan in, in uh in, oh exactly in yeah Richmond, you know? uh, every scene john has, is god tier of that person like john absolutely. is as like the, the high end of who you can get to be in that many bands yeah absolutely the highest end absolutely um but yeah it's it's wild and yeah, i mean you know uh i i'll never be that person because the I mean, it is just wild how there is just nobody here that cares about this kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like, I had a dream last night that, like, someone I used to be in a band with showed up and was like, um, do you want to, like, start, uh, do you want to start a band? And um, they were outside in in my dream, and I wouldn't open the, um, I wouldn't open the screen door. I was just talking to them, like, through the even though they had a mask on and and I had a mask on this is like my dream you know and I and I and I was like I was like so like I really want to do this but like you can't just come in somebody's house and sweat and like you know and for like three hours and then like you can't you can't do this right now and and also that person like used to be kind of crappy and I was like oh I really want to it was I don't know <laughs> having those weird dreams right now where you're just like missing like personal connections like that and you oh totally <laughs> but uh i've had i've had so many like show dreams and and dreams where i'm like on my way to a show and i always wake up so sad yeah, but yeah. yeah i mean i i think being that person that like ends up being the default drummer in your town is like like it's not for everybody because like I think in a way I'm uniquely suited for it because I, even when I was playing guitar in a band and like actively writing riffs, I would just find myself mostly frustrated or like mad at myself for the riffs not being what I wanted. I, I just never felt like I could communicate well writing songs. Uh -huh. And like, you know, you're, you're super prolific. You write a ton of amazing material. Like I, I, my brain just doesn't work that way. Like I feel like I just work so much better, like getting into a room with someone who's playing. I really admire hearing something that they think is cool and like trying to figure out what works with it. Mm -hmm. And like at, at this point in my life, the only thing that keeps me from being in lots of bands is just like, you know, time in the day and like being a, an adult with too much going on. But like, yeah. I, I love that kind of thing. Like I just, I think it's super fulfilling to like hear, hear something that someone else is doing and like try to find a way to spotlight it. Yeah. 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 It's awesome to, I mean, you know, I, I come at, 
a lot of different things creatively in a lot of different ways. And like, yeah, it's, I mean, I like just coming, I like coming up with something out of, out of nothing as well. But like, mm-hmm. it is really awesome when you have this little bit of lead to go on and you're just like, you're just like, well, I know, like, or, you know, in my opinion anyway, I know what that needs, you know, and you just like, exactly. you know, you fit that right in there. And, and especially, like you said, it's like, that's why playing with other people makes you get better so fast because not only that accountability, but just like that encouragement, you know, and just like when things are feeling great and you're just like, like, you're not, you're not going to play. I mean, some people do. So, I mean, but me personally, I'm not going to play drums down in my basement by myself for like three hours, but like, I will play drums Mm -hmm. all day if somebody's here. Like, I won't even get tired. I'm just like too stoked, you know? (laughs) Like, (laughs) oh, yeah, it's so much more energizing. It's a blast. And like, that's the other thing about COVID that's just been so disheartening is like, I feel like with youth, when youth was active and like I was driving up to Wyoming, because I live in Denver now, like, uh, those practices were always like long and we would, you know, run a bunch of stuff or riot. And it's just so much. It's so much fun to like just set aside a day to collaborate with someone, and like that's the other thing I miss because like band practice, like Prodigalist has had a couple of like some person band practices and stuff with like the masks and distance, but like it's just not the same, and you can't. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like it's the time to like do these big projects, and that's really suggesting for someone like me because I, I, I think yeah, I just work best like hearing an idea and, and helping someone like build it and edit it and stuff. So mm-hmm. hopefully this will, this will clear up soon, but for now it's, yeah. it's weird. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, um, you know, hopefully people are finding like different ways to, you know, like channel their energies and stuff. Totally. Like you said, you have like a lot going on. So that's, you know, um, that's obviously very helpful. Like, uh, um, one thing, you know, that, that, uh, you've definitely got going on, um, and start, you know, started doing this a few years ago, uh, is, uh, Convulse Records. And like, you seem to like, your latest release is like, th- things seem to be like really picking up, like for you as far as like, you know, just like, you know, I don't know if, if it's just me, you know, um, or I don't know if like because you're close to it, if you can't like see it or whatever. But it seems like there's like a real hype around like a lot of the bands that you know you've been working with and stuff. Um, so like, yeah, when when did you start that? Is it, I mean, it's not it's not like super recent, but it's not like been that long either. It's like yeah, well, so I think I, I still I have a very vivid memory of like when I was like I think I wanted do a label. There's something I had sort of been like chewing on for a while, but it's, I mean, you know better than anyone, like the financial commitment is terrifying. Yeah. And so I was like, I, I don't, I don't, I wasn't really in place where I could do it, but I just had this moment where I was like, I think it would be so much fun. And I feel like there's all this music in like the West specifically, like in Denver and Wyoming or wherever that just kind of gets ignored in a lot of the same ways. I think people feel about the West, but I was just kind of like, you know, this, I wish someone was sort of archiving what's happening here and like the shows I go to and, and the bands I see regularly. 
and I was sitting in a waiting room, and I just got this like wild hair to hit up uh, Casey Reinbold and and ask uh, them to make me a logo, and that's when it's technically started, I guess, because I remember making like a Instagram and a Facebook that day, and that <laughs> would have been like three years ago. It's a lot of pressure. But like, I just if needed, that like, logo a, wasn't sick, maybe it wouldn't even happen. Oh. <laughs> yeah, but Casey made an amazing did, yeah. logo, of course. Of course. Yeah, so it was great. That was I, I was way less worried about that and more worried about, like, okay, well... And the other thing was, like, the, the youth record was... I think we were planning on going to record a tune or it was maybe about to go to the plan, and you and I were talking about it, and I was like... I, I knew, like, I wanted youth as an entity to, like, pull our weight with number of copies and all of that, and... So I was like, well, I kind of want, like, an entity that will have these copies. Like, I want to do a thing and maybe build a little bistro and, like, figure out some other records I can put out. And so that was, like, three years ago. And then, yeah, I think this year it's picked up. And I think from where I'm at, part part of the reason it's picked up is just, like I said, like, COVID has slowed me down playing music and touring and, like, making things with people. And putting out records it feels like a thing I can still kind of make, even though like they're not my bands, but like I can sort of like curate something and build something and like have fun from my apartment mm-hmm. without, you know, violating social distancing. And so I put a lot more energy into it. And the other thing is like you slow down just because of like personal stuff and, and people moving. And so I haven't had that band that was like pretty full time for a while. Mm-hmm. Well, not like, not like a full-time job, but like it was a regular band that was practicing and doing stuff and playing shows. So once my plate kind of cleared up, I was like, I think this is, is just, just a, a thing I, I should do. And COVID gave me time to, to think about it more. And, um, I also think like we've, we've had a couple of releases that have done really well this year. Um, we've had some that have done less well. Like I just go into any re- release just because like, I like the people involved and I think the band is cool and I never wanted convulse to be like a genre label. Like I wanted it to put out like DIY bands that I enjoy. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes we might put out like a screen record. Sometimes we might put out like a hardcore record or a melodic record or something, something totally different. And I think the only real umbrella over all of it is like, I like these people and I like this thing that's being made. And, um, so it's cool when, when some of it does well and like, it's really exciting. And my hope is always just that like when a thing does well, like it just means more people are clicking through the web store and like listening to other stuff they wouldn't have heard because I started it just feeling like I see all these cool bands in Denver and like they have, you know, a really cool life cycle, but it's never documented and they kind of just live and die and no one ever puts the record on the shelf. And it, as, as someone who collects records, that just made me bad. So the hope is just that, like, there are things from my region or things that homies are doing that I get to kind of light on.
I think it's weird, like, like you said, like, I think, you know, if Middleman Records or if Convulse Records, like, came out and I had the internet, like, when I was, like, 12, like, when I was first discovering this kind of stuff, 10, 12, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I would have, I mean, I would have listened to every single thing on there. I'd have been all over it. Totally. And like, yeah. So by that, like, metric, like, do you ever think, about how weird it is sometimes that people do just like hit you up for that one record and you're like you should also check this out and it's just like eh you know <laughs> like yeah well i get <laughs> exactly yeah i get weirded out by that all the time cuz i listen i'm the type where like like i remember the day i discovered the deathwish store when i was like you know like 14 or 15 and just being like this music is really scary but there's so much of it and I want to hear all of it and like just going through their massive distro and just being like, this is insane. I didn't, I didn't know that any of it. And so like the, the label web store or band camp or whatever has always been super powerful to me. And that's what made a label sound cool. And like your label was that way for me, like at different points, because it was a genre that like, like, and I, I know for a fact you've encountered the sentiment, but like, when I was a young kid getting into punk music, people only ever talked about like screamo and post hardcore and this lane of punk music as though it had come and gone and was not like this active thriving genre. And so like getting into records in your store and like digging the beach and these other amazing labels was like a way for me to be like, Oh no, there's this like pile of incredible bands. And yeah. so that's just how I think about music. Like is like, I, I like sorting it with labels. And so I get weirded out by that. I get weirded out when someone just like gets me up for one record or just picks up, one record or like doesn't doesn't you know really seem to be into everything we do and i get also like the, the fun part is when i see someone pick up stuff that makes no sense together because yeah, like yeah. i'll kind of think like oh this goes with this like this makes sense with this and then the person will pick it up with like the thing in the store that i think makes most with it that might be like the sore thumb to the person that likes it like we just did this this military gun seven inch is like very melodic like discordy kind of music uh-huh. and I was like you know I I don't know what people in the store will buy with it and I was shocked that there were like four orders that had a youth record with it and I was like this makes no sense to me like <laughs> this is a project I had with my friends like I can't imagine you're going to enjoy this but apparently someone did and that's cool to me because part of the reason I think I want them both to have like a broad umbrella is just like I've always had more fun at a mixed genre show and I've always had more fun like like being into lots of different stuff and I think most people are that way yeah. even though like you'll find some labels that will be like super elitist about just doing one thing really well I and mean, that's cool but like that's just not exciting like I know what the next five records are going to put out will sound like yeah yeah it's I mean it's like I you know I always um not always but I've complained that I don't get hit up by like like other like you know i i released the iris 10 inch like several years mm-hmm. ago and so it's basically it sounds like you know a really nice like era of the pixies or something you know and right. uh, and then you know a couple other um we have some other outliers like the you could be a cop you know which is just real nice indie rock right. and um and yeah it's like when people order that they don't usually order you know also um the amygdala LP or something, you know what I mean? Right, um, right. So, like, it's, you know, you like, we definitely got known 
for being like this kind of label or whatever because that's like what all my friends play and um totally and like i'm always like why do, why doesn't this like why doesn't somebody like this like hit me up or whatever um um but uh you know at the same time like i'm i do get so many like put out my records that like to, you know to me like don't make sense like where you get like people talking about like advances and like the back end and like stuff like that. Oh like, yeah. How do you, yeah. How do you, how do you, how did you get my number? But, um, but anyway, yeah, we've never gotten one of those. We, we actually had a moment this last week where I just tweeted, like, we never get submissions. Someone like, please submit me something. Like the only people that send me stuff are like people I've known forever. And like, like I just want to hear something new. Like someone sent something to my inbox. Cause I was just kind of curious what we would get. And, we got so much stuff that made absolutely like no sense at all. And it was sort of my introduction to that because we just haven't, like, it's just kind of been a new thing. And so, um, we haven't really been able to like get enough excitement. And like, I, I get it for bands where like, they want to be on the label with the other bands that sound like them because that, that's the path, right? Like that's, how you get your band out to people that will probably like it. Mm-hmm. But I, I do wish more bands kind of took a risk and said like, yeah, I want to be label mates or like, you know, collaborate with this person just because I think it's an interesting fit. And like, I like all this stuff too. And, and there's cool cross pollination that can happen. Yeah. And so I wish more of that stuff happened. And that's kind of the goal of what we're doing. Like I want to just put out stuff that maybe not everyone will like, but I know I'll like, and, at some point, I'll get to look at all of it on a shelf. Hopefully, not too many copies, but you know, <laughs> for some records, too yeah, many yeah. copies. Yeah, that's. I mean, you know, it's like you said. It's like you said when you see one thing uh, that does really well, and you're like, you're like, yeah, this could, this could be a thing. This can, this maybe this will start taking care of itself, and then you have five <laughs> that tanked, and it's like there's no exactly. Rhyme- you know, there's no rhyme or reason to it a lot of the times. It's just like, that's just the way it is. Like, objectively speaking, these six records are just as good as one another. You know, why people mm-hmm. talk about the, the one of them more or, you know, whatever. Sometimes it's obvious. Like, this band tours a lot. This band is good at exactly. social media. You know, whatever. Sometimes it's obvious. But, like, in other cases, you're just like, don't get it. Don't know. You know? Um but, uh, totally. Well, I think I think like touring, touring is such a hard like, and I'm I'm, I'm sure you've run into this too. Like, a lot. I know friends that do labels that'll be like, oh, I don't want to put out these records if the band's not going to tour. And like, I get that because it it does make the the record a lot easier to sell, ideally. Mm-hmm. But you know, in Denver, I'm always just like, well, you know, unless you're going to go out for two weeks, I can't come up with a tour routing for you that's going to make sense. Like, oh, yeah. It, and for a lot of people, that's just impossible. And so. For us, like, we are probably more game to take a risk on a record where we know there might not be much touring than others, and that's probably to our detriment. But I I just kind of feel like, you know, there's stuff here that I'm just like, this is sick, I want it to exist. Like, this band is going to play, like, maybe six out of town shows with this record out, and um, you're hoping I'm not screwed. Yeah. But sometimes you are. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's uh, you know, that's the name of the game, I guess. Um yeah. You were talking about uh you know touring and yeah I mean you th- we ran into y'all like a lot uh on the road it felt mm-hmm. like uh, which was always a good time. Um what um totally. 
is that like I I feel like Product Lust did a tour. As, yeah, y'all definitely did a tour. Uh, the closest he came to yeah. was Chicago, though, and that's like not in theory. Chicago is not that far from me. In theory, two and a half hours. In reality, four, sometimes maybe six, just depending. Oh, yeah, like, it's just like yeah. I mean, I've literally been on like one like quarter mile stretch of a highway for like hour and a half two hours you know but um uh what um like what was the first tour that you went on like was um like you know you said you got a route uh um but like i know specifically there was at least one show that where we played with y'all where y'all drove like in incredibly long time to get to like one show but uh what was yeah, your like that tour uh, <laughs> well the first the first tour i ever went on the first one i ever went on was with that hardcore band that like kind of melodic hardcore band and okay. it was so stupid and, and premature and it was like eight days i want to say um up the west coast and then back home and we had one cd demo with four songs we had like a six song set we had no business touring at all because, like, we weren't good. We had barely, like, practiced and recorded at that point. So we had grown up in Wyoming, and we were just like, yeah, let's leave town because that's the only thing you want to do when you grow up in Wyoming. So we didn't realize, like, oh, there will be consequences to, like, trying to do this thing this poorly. So we left in a van that I got from my grandpa that was, like, run down and needed scrap. And it broke down, like the transmission just dropped in it in San Luis Obispo, California. And we had to scrap it and get rental cars and did two overnight drives. To, from, we did one overnight drive in the rental cars from San Luis Obispo to Las Cruces, New Mexico, so that we could keep the show that we had booked in Las Cruces, New Mexico. And then another overnight drive from Las Cruces back to Denver to turn in the rental cars because we only had enough money between all of us to pay for two days of the rental cars. And then we played a return show in Denver with no van, no vehicle, anything, and just had people from Wyoming come down and, like, pick us up with all of our years. So it was terrible. It was a disaster. And we brought Nate, the guitar player of youth, um, with us, like, just to come help out and hang out. He wasn't in the band yet, and he was, like, and Nate was homeschooled and, like, had not really traveled much, and... Um, was just so stoked on that with us. And by the end of that, I think Nate had to like pay for gas on a tour that he was just like selling merch on. That's how, how badly it went. Like, we were just completely out of money and had destroyed this van. And then like three months later, the owner of the scrapyard where we left our van tried to like take me to court because I couldn't find the title for the van to sign it over. And so they were trying to like get me with like wrongful um, disposal of a vehicle. And so that was, wasn't fun. And I had to like, talk with the scrapyard owner on the phone for like an afternoon trying like basically begging him not to take me to court. So that it was awful. And then the tour you talked about, that would have been like youth's second or third tour with Untold Want out to, to Swamp Fest and, uh-huh. and back. And that routing just ended up ridiculous because we just like there were just a lot of spots we wanted to try to hit that fell through. Yeah. And we wound up playing some like just weird shows and some shows that felt fell through at the last second. But the reason that that tour was hard was just because our van had no air conditioning. And I think we had played a run of shows that was like 
Oklahoma City, Little Rock, uh, Memphis, Baltimore, Richmond, all no AC in August. And the, the drives were insane. And everyone was just like pouring sweat. And uh, Rio from Untold One and I always talk about like having fever dreams just because of how hot the air was outside while you would sleep in the van. Like you would just wake up from a nap in the van having just like a horrible fever dream because it was so hot. So that tour was kind of brutal. And um, honestly, one of the m- most fun tours I've ever done anyways, because Swamp Fest was amazing. And like, yeah. we got to play with our friends in Closet Witch on the way back. And just, there were just lots of, I played with, playing with y'all and one of us, like the out show was so much that, fun for me. That and show was they so were just, good. <laughs> that, well, yeah, that like, there were, there were like four or five shows on that that made like, an otherwise really, really hard experience. Yeah. One of the best tours I've ever done. I don't remember where y'all were the day before, but I was like, but we were just like messaging back and forth. And I was like, well, I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's probably not a great idea, but um, we could probably get you on this show in Baltimore. And, and I think you were like really far the day before. And you're like, Memphis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, you're just like it was horrible. Give me like a couple hours to figure, see if something else works out or something like that, or or till tomorrow. And then it was just like, yep, we'll take it. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that was so bad. There was so we so it was a it was a it was a four band show. There was like no locals, but there was like people there and it was like a pretty wild time. All the bands were great. It was I don't know, it was it was it was awesome, but yeah, just one of those yeah, things where you no just sleep. Like, look, we'll you, you, we just have to do it. Too many things are dropping. We'll take what we can get. But um uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well and it was it was honestly like worth it too because it was just like you know, I'm I'm not gonna I wouldn't get to see like one of us and y'all like the like the odds of both of those bands like coming through Denver and that lining up is like you know that's probably not going to happen around that point in time and like yeah. we were close to Swamp Fest might as well play with cool bands that we know and yeah. but I I did the first leg of the drive and got us to like somewhere somewhere in Western Virginia and I just remember like James had stayed up with me and we walked into this bathroom and all I had had was coffee all night and I just like like basically like passed out in in the rest stop and like woke up to to rio and james like fanning my face because i was just like leaned up against the wall it was horrible it was it was was, was honestly something i probably wouldn't do now but it was worth it yeah yeah um so in contrast to that you played drums on fame's european tour yes in contrast Okay, so in contrast in some ways, but super similar in others. Oh, really? We, that, well, so the tour routing, like, Europeans don't do long drives, but yeah, yeah. that routing, just by necessity, had some long drives, because we oh. hit some spots that I don't think, I don't think, we, like, I don't think everyone does, like, a lot of the, I, I don't really know, but um, we hit, like, Serbia and a couple of spots that I don't think get hit a ton, mm-hmm. and they were kind of out of the way, and they, um were long, long drives to make those happen. And then the, we played one of the have art reunions and that like, it was amazing and worth it, but it kind of messed with the routing a little bit and made the drives long a couple of times just to try to make that work. And so, um, our driver who was amazing was so upset when she saw our routing 
and I don't blame her at all. And it just kind of, there were a few, a few moments that were super stressful and, and hard. I think every tour is like that. Like, and that's okay. That's, that's part of the, the fun is like feeling like you overcome these difficulties, but that tour was amazing. Um, I'll, I like seeing parts of the world. I never thought I would see seeing bands. I never thought I would see like fluff fest is like something I had only heard about. And it was amazing and like such a cool thing to be a part of. And honestly, just like super inspiring and like, you know, you know, this, but like just the, the, the way you get treated as a DIY band in Europe is amazing. Like the, the, the work and effort that these communities put into like taking care of bands is insane. And it makes you want to just come home and do better when you put on shows or whatever. And, um, yeah, that was, I, I was just like super touched by the whole experience and, um, yeah, the, the, everyone in farm are great and they're really good friends of mine. And like, I think, uh, it was just, yeah, it was, you know, for sure the biggest shows I'll ever play, Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. a lot of fun. And that, that half hour show, like that's something I'll never experience again, but it was crazy and they were all really sweet. And like the thing that was coolest about that was like that venue was 3000 people like it felt like an arena it was sold out but like they were still running it like a diy show like they backlined everything and were super nice and were like worried about where we were going to sleep and like really interested in like what we had going on and we're really kind and it, it was still the same vibe of like security and or like community and and like everyone kind of looking out for each other and just trying to like have a cool show and so that was really cool just to know that like there are bands like that playing huge shows that are still sort of have like the same ethos that I do. And that was really touching and and cool too. But yeah, it was, it was amazing. And that was my conversation with Adam Croft. Thank you so much, Adam, for taking the time to chat with me. Until next time, take care and do good things.